You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Long Yak with Saya, Anissa, and Boroma. Hi, I'm Anissa. In this episode, we discuss what we've been watching lately, including stuff we finished, dropped, or are totally in the thick of. This episode is produced with the support of our Patreon patrons. Thank you. You can find our page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Hi everyone, I'm Saya. I'm Anissa. And I'm Borma. And welcome back to <laughs> the second half of our new, it's not really a second half, it's a, is it? It's a second yak. So it's a second yeah. long yak. You get you get more stuff than you used to get before in in more manageable uh, portion Jumps. sizes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> because yeah. who needs mammoth size when you can just have super size? Yak size. Yeah. Yak size. <laughs> before we get to dramas that we are watching, I wanted to briefly talk about the dramas that we are not going to be talking about because we are either doing. Um, spoiled yaks for them um, little yaks for them on the podcast or we are covering them or have covered them on the blog we did a little yak uh, on the tail of the nine-tailed and that's already up on your podcast feed it was a first impression type uh, episode we also did a spoiled yak on do you like brahms so we are not covering those episodes on uh, you know today's podcast. We are also going to skip on Stranger 2 or Forest of Secrets 2 because we did extensive reviews slash recaps on the blog. That but it also needs its whole own hour, so... Yes, we are also going to be yak. recording a spoiled yak. Exactly. Yak, so. we, we, the, the thoughts we have are going to be reserved for a special spoiled yak, which will come up soon. So we'll start with a new show, which... At this point, has only aired two episodes, though I believe the third is like being released as we speak. Um, and this is a drama called Search, which we previewed in I think the last What's Up in Drama Land, or maybe the one before, because by the time this comes out, it's going to be a bit older, right? And that is the drama starring uh, Jung Dong Yoon and Crystal. It's on OCN, and it's part of OCN's dramatic cinema project which is like this special series of dramas that they are doing, which is meant to be combining uh, elements uh, on formats of film and drama into a drama which sometimes is a little bit shorter than your average 16 episode, though I think that Search is... Search 8 episodes or 12? I should look this up. So Search is uh, 10 episodes, so it's shorter than your usual. Um, I think I'm the only one watching this, so I guess... Um, I will just have a monologue for five minutes. Yes, give us your take <laughs> on the first couple episodes. Right. Oh, so before before I do that, um, I just want to mention the, some of the other dramas in the uh, dramatic cinema um, series, which is one of them was Trap, which I think nobody really liked. Hell is Other People, which I didn't watch because it sounded really scary. Team Bulldog, Off-Duty Investigation, that uh, was uh, Yi Sun-bin and someone else who I can't remember right now, which I've learned to watch but didn't Cha get Cha Tae-hyun. Cha oh, is that Cha Tae-hyun? Okay. Yes. So, did you watch that? Oh, any I, no, I love Cha Tae-hyun, but I just didn't... Yeah, I didn't get a chance not to get into that. Though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I tend not to... Like, when I have a choice of five things to watch, I'm not going to choose that one. You know what I mean? And okay, there's just too okay. many things to watch mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. 
I mean, Ocean dramas can be quite hit and miss. Sometimes they have some really amazing ones. And then sometimes they have, like, Bad Guys 2, which is, like, six episodes of guys fighting for no reason, and you're like, why am I watching this? Um, but, uh, and, I mean, the first episode of Search is... There's got a lot going on, and it's difficult to kind of make sense of what exactly is happening in a kind of a longer arc story kind of way. So it has this, it opens with like a 20 minute prelude which takes place in 1997 and it gives some backstory for um, what happens later. So again, pinning down the genre of the drama before, like before you go in, you can read, oh, that it's uh, it's a mystery suspense drama, but when you're actually watching it, it feels like a horror. and also it feels like there's sort of supernatural elements, though I guess it's not so much supernatural as it is sci-fi, but not quite sci-fi. There's like radioactive stuff going on, and um, I think I remember Borma talking about CGI and that make, uh, making or breaking the drama, and yeah, the CGI kind of... it doesn't make the drama, let's say. It doesn't break mm. it, but it certainly doesn't make it. <laughs> Um, and so the first episode is a lot more about like looming suspense, but it doesn't really tell you anything. There's lots of skulking through forests and like sense of foreboding, and it starts off quite light actually, um, if you don't count that 20 minute prelude. And there are these moments when it's just like laugh out loud funny in the way that Jen Yun can be so funny without, you know, without, without breaking his character. Like you guys. What else have you guys watched him in? The the oh, uh, school twenty seventeen, right? And the other one, the short youth drama, the dancing one. Oh the yeah, sports dance, sports girls, girls. No, not girls. Yeah, just dance. dance. Sports, just dance, right? Because because oh. it has this official English title, which I never remember. So you know how he's always this slightly fey, uh, almost like I, I don't like to use the word effeminate, but you know what I mean if I use it right. He's he's got a sort of yeah. I mean, you he had like that. That's precisely why it worked when he did Tale of Noctu, right? It's just oh yeah, make that work. <laughs> yeah, he ha- he has an, a face that can can be feminine or mm. can be like sort of. It's it, not like it's... a traditionally masculine looking face, right? And but he's Mike. very sensitive as well. Go on, go on sorry. I'm sorry. I just saw a, a clip that uh, Vicky kept putting on my Instagram feed of uh, his abs. Because apparently that's what this drama is focusing on, on, on a basketball court. You're getting ahead of me. Yeah, you, you've anticipated me. So I was going to say this drama is very much about telling you that Chang Yun is a man. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like this whole sequence of, you know, muscles and shoulders mm. and you're just like, okay. Do I you think it. that's he's a reaction? Is there like a reason? You think that he did an army show where he's like being very, very masculine in response to his last role and maybe it's some possible. of the feedback You, d- you wouldn't want to be typecast, right? And that's, mm. you don't want to limit your choices as an actor if you do end up being typecast, isn't it? And yeah. uh, most of his roles so far have been like quite sensitive and, you know, in two of them straight up cross-dressing. So I can see why he would want to go for a role like this now. But also he makes it very much his own. He's, oh, Permadeo as well, I forget he was in that. He's Oh, yes. <laughs> he really brings his, he, like, yeah. you know, he has a sort of a scrappiness to him, which mm. um, I don't know if it's him or if it's his characters, but like it is in most of his characters, apart from perhaps the Solomon's Perry character. Which is that sort of the, yeah, like, you know, he it, he talks back, he has a kind of a, a set of his jaw, which is really uh, entertaining. So I found it, like, I feel like they're making up for 
yeah, for for that, he's quite compact. He's sort of got this um, non-dominating stature, and I feel like they're they're making up for this by showing off this highly developed physique, but also giving him this quite scrappy character. And it's it's and again, like I say, he's still very much himself. And then you've got Crystal, and she's been like steadily getting better as an actress over the years. I think the last thing I saw her in was a uh, player with uh, Song Sunan, and she was good in that. I mean, she wasn't bad. She wasn't outstanding. She was just she was pretty proficient. And I actually quite enjoy um, the the interaction of the two characters here. She's uh she's she outranks him as uh, he oh so Jang Dingyun plays a character who is um. I think he's doing his military ser- uh, is he doing his military service? Or is he an actual career soldier? I can't remember. But he's, uh, a dog handler in- in the K-9 unit. And Crystal is part of- oh no, um, Jang Dengyun is, uh, part of a search team, which is why he handles the- uh, the tracker dogs. Or one tracker dog. And Crystal is a slightly, uh, higher tier- actually quite a lot higher tier, um, I can't remember what her actual job is, because I watched it last week and then I've forgotten about everything since. Um, so they have some history, and that comes out in some fun chemistry. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Uh, uh, and you can add to that, there's a whole um, radioactive element, which uh, has led okay. to... So, I mean, this the, the premise is really, like... It hasn't complete. I'm like what nearly two episodes through, and it hasn't quite completed its premise. But I'm guessing that this incident that happened back in 1997 was a uh, the, uh, something involving radioactive materials that crossed the border from North Korea to um, the DMZ. Which I feel really weird saying because even in my head I say that as a DMZ, but I'm English and I have to say Z. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds really weird when you said the DMZ. I was like, "What is that?" Okay, I'm just gonna say DMZ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry no, to my English don't brethren. No, abandon me, man. Oh, would you say DMZ as well? Yeah, we don't say okay. Z here. That just sounds. Neither weird. do we. It's just like the word DMZ is a word. It's so. kind of become its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there was this one point which uh, I'm not going to tell you about because Boron will be sad and she already knows what it is. <laughs> no, oh no, no, is it dog related? Oh, oh no. Oh my god, no. No! But, also, <laughs> but, but in fairness, it is a truly sad, meaningful moment. And it's not... Oh, the dog oh. is not... Mi- I mean, yeah, okay, the dog is fridged. But also, Chang Dunyun loved that dog, okay? And he fights people for it. And, um, so, you know, it's avenged. I think it was a he, but I can't remember. So it's like John Wick? That doesn't mean anything Uh. to me. (laughs) John Wick is basically about how his dog dies and he just, like, kills people because he's taking revenge for his dog. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Uh, It's ultra-violent. You wouldn't enjoy it. (laughs) If you're wondering why Ilama Iqbal is here, it's because he's blocking the sun from my computer. (laughs) I was wondering a little bit. Yeah, he, he's just, just hanging just out here to it. block. He's just blocking the sun. So yeah, radioactive material, and you. I think that I think the thing is radioactive mutant rabies. Um, so there's wow. a rabies virus which has mutated into something radioactive, which is odd. <laughs> so I feel like I'm watching a zombie drama because of what the mutant rabies thing 
radioactive mutant rabies thing does, which is like it reanimates corpses. Ah. Uh, it turns um, normal wolves into what look like I don't know werewolves and horrible monsters from the demon depths. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's actually interesting. So I'm gonna stick with it for this week at least. So I'm gonna definitely watch up to four and then see whether it's worth sticking with after that. And I'll probably check back in next time and tell you whether I stayed with it or dropped it. Sounds good. So the next drama, which I want to talk about, which both Boroma and I are watching, and I think we've reached the same point in it, is Alice, which stars Juan and Kim Hee-sun, and Kwak Xiang, I believe. Um, I'm actually... it's Alice is finishing this week, and I have only made it to the halfway mark before falling hopelessly behind. And so many things, I'm sure, have happened since, but I'm just going to sort of talk about the first half. So it starts off, do you remember when we talked about this? We talked about how the premise was kind of weird because it's like Jung is, no, was it uh, Kim Hee-sun is going back in time and she has a son and mm. then like, it was it was a really confusing premise. Wait, yeah, we didn't quite know like what to make of it mm. when we first read the premise. So it actually becomes much clearer quite quickly, just within the first episode or two. And you have um, Kimi-san first appears as a kind of, um, I don't know, temporal police figure with uh, Kwak Xiang, who is her partner, her romantic partner as well as her work partner. Um, I'm not sure if they're married. They're probably not, but oh, it doesn't really matter. Um, but they are on a mission at, and they've travelled to the past. And travelling to the past involves... Uh, using these sort of uh, portals that are highly radioactive. So when she's in the past, she discovers she's pregnant, and if she travels back, uh, that could harm her child. So she decides to stay in the past. She decides to stay in this 1997, which is not the 1997 she came from, which is uh, like a completely different element that the show throws in um, quite quickly. So you have this time travel element, and then you have a, a simultaneous parallel parallel worlds element, which um, it it's it's interesting, and I haven't seen where it goes yet, but it does definitely confuse things when it comes to Juan having grown up and his mother is murdered, and this is all in the premise, and then he meets another woman who looks exactly like his mother, but can't possibly be her. And he doesn't actually know his mum's history, uh, or even her real name, so he knows her as a housewife, as his kind and loving mum, and the woman that he meets is this hotshot um, physicist professor who is, you know, she's opinionated, she's strong, she's loud, she's, um, she's basically the opposite of his mum, but exactly the same face. And uh, Juan ha is, uh, you know, emotionless type of character. He's, uh, what, how do you pronounce that word? Alexithymia? Thymia? Thymia? Um, I should have checked Alexithymia. this. Alexithymia. Alexithymia? Okay. okay. Yeah. So he has this disorder which is, uh, in drama, we're told it's caused by the, you know, the radiation that he was exposed to in utero. 
and that was like a side effect of of how he turns out um so after being be, born just an insert here uh, alicithemia like even in the show it doesn't mean that he doesn't have emotions it does does mean that he can't identify his own emotions so he there's a disconnect between what he's feeling and what he understands that he's feeling mm. and uh, which is why when like because of his mom there are certain emotions that he does understand especially in relation to her because that is how alicithemia patients tend to respond their primary mm. caregiver are usually the people that they understand most of their emotions for oh. okay yeah going no, that was really interesting a... thank you <laughs> yeah you, because you remember when we were doing his uh psychometric when we were watching that oh was that what it was in brother... i was trying to remember which which yeah, drama yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they said they said that the older brother had it but they the way they showed it there it was just completely bs but alice does a much <laughs> better job of you know oh. both explaining and showing the um, yeah, you know, honest. usually I would go away and nerd out on all the things um, about it. I don't know why I didn't this time. I think I was just content to let the drama tell its story. Yeah, because so it's it, doing a good job. It is, it is. It Like, it also has that, um, like, it opens with that premise of, like, the Book of Prophecy. So it's, mm. uh, Kim Hee-sun travels back to the past to recover this book. But all of that that book um, has a lot more plot significance than we can imagine, and it all sort of ties together, and little things are revealed over time, like you know, who uh, who uh, Yoon Ti, which is uh, Kim Hee Sun's character, who she really is, what her origins are. Um, Joon doesn't know that um, Kwak Xiang is his father. Like, this is all in the premise. It's not a spoiler. Um, yeah. So you have all of these delicious encounters of the two of them who are like um, extraordinary uh, like fighters and they do very similar jobs though in different capacities and they are kind of, they, they're, they're matches for each other. In a, they, like other people can't beat them and they can't beat each other. Can't beat each other, right, exactly. <laughs> So they kind of, they always hit a stalemate. And I'm just, uh, I think, I'm just desperate for that moment where each of them realizes that, you know, what their relationship is. I feel like yeah. it's coming up, but we haven't got there yet. Well, uh, uh, we we did get to the part where the father realizes that oh, he's yeah. his son. So that, and that's that where it ended. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Because he, he walks away from a confrontation. Like, instead of, because before that, he didn't quite trust uh, Joan. So he kept interfering, like, with the... Uh, Tehi, right? So with this younger, other alternate universe Tehi, he was being like, why is this cop hovering around her? What is going on? And oh yeah, sorry, he, I didn't he, say that Juan is a is a detective. <laughs> right, so in this, in this world, uh, yeah, he grows up to be a detective and so once he finds Tehi, he's he's kind of like trying to protect her. He's having, and then his father comes in <laughs> from the future, and he is all suspicious of his own son hanging around Tehi. It's like it's super. Except he doesn't know it's his like son. This. Exactly. But the real question for much of the drama, and we haven't reached the point where it's solved. At least I haven't. Is 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 this uh, Juwan's mom? Is this the Juwan's mom? <laughs> Is it not? We un- we do understand that she's most likely a parallel universe. They do um, tell us that. They do tell us of, that they're not the same. Joan's mom. Yeah, so technically they're not the same people. What we don't know is, will she go into the future and become Mountain to another version of Joan? Oh god, that would just be so... Yeah. Whose character name is Jingyum, by the way. I couldn't remember that. 
Though I would say that going into Alice without having any idea what the story was actually really helped because I didn't have a bunch of preconceived notions. I've tried to get other people to watch Alice and they've kind of backed off saying, wait, isn't this the story where like the son falls in love with the mom who tra- you time me travels? And- you asked me this and I told you. I did. No, absolutely but, not. But that was like two <laughs> Yeah, I saw in. that on Twitter too. People were like, oh, this is not the kind of process that I'm w- interested in, it, but it's in not watching. But at all it's, yeah. not that. Okay. it's, not it's that completely all, yeah. like it it's not even a romance you know it's a it's a drama drama and it's it really um it leans heavily into its um sci-fi premises and all of the questions that that raises i'm really enjoying it I, the only reason i've fallen behind on it is because i just haven't had time to watch more me neither i was i was really enjoying this and then a bunch of shows premiered and i <laughs> i just haven't caught <laughs> there up was yet. <laughs> so much stuff that came out in october oh my god yeah i blame 18 again <laughs> if i had mm-hmm. picked that one up <laughs> i would have time to watch dramas <laughs> Yeah, I blame Brahms, but I don't regret it. Brahms was just <laughs> totally, totally worth it. Yeah, I mean, um, 18 again is totally worth it also. I mean, I can blame you yeah. and still love you. It's, you know, we <laughs> yeah. can be dysfunctional like that. <laughs> yeah, true. If you can't blame your friends, who can you blame? Exactly. Myself? Why would I do that? <laughs> Um, I just uh, briefly wanted to uh, mention this. Uh, Sam, when we were talking about um, Search, uh, you mentioned that it was part of like a series of dramas and one of them was like um, Hell is Other People. And I didn't realize it, but that's Strangers from Hell, right? The oh, one yeah. The one with Oh, sorry. I, I, I watched that. mixing up the titles. Because <laughs> they all no, have but, multiple no, titles. And, yeah. they, they do, you're right. But here's the thing. That was an excellent drama. I didn't talk about it at that time. We had like skipped a couple of yaks, so I, I never got around to it. But it was it was not by the way, it's not exactly horror. I mean it has horror elements, but it's not exactly. I read reviews and it sounds terrifying. (laughs) It is terrifying. Don't watch it at night. Okay, I'm not watching it. A lot less to do with spirits (laughs) and a lot more to do with the human mind. Other people. Yeah, I'm not watching it ever. Humans Sorry, are the scariest. What are you talking really about? Brutal. Humans are the most terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather yeah. take a CGI wolf with red eyes. That I can deal uh, with that because I just tell myself, oh, hey, look, that's a CGI wolf with unnecessarily red eyes. <laughs> that's not scary. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I have to skip out. And I'm sorry that I'm going to miss the rest of this, but I will catch up afterwards. Yes. <laughs> All right, Zaya. We'll see you later. See you. Bye, Zaya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so, Anisa, um, I've been watching. No, I've not been. I've finished watching uh, the School Nurse Files. Did Did you pay watch any of it? I I know I like it's on my list because at first people were saying it wasn't good and then I heard people say that it was good and now that like there's conflicting opinions I'm really curious <laughs> to know <laughs> if I'm actually gonna enjoy it and also like it has that quirky it looks the trailer looked amazing and I love Jung Yumi so I definitely want to watch it but I haven't had a chance yet. So this is one of those movie, uh, but it's kind of short enough to be a really long movie. But it's one of those series that would probably not work with a majority of viewers. It's um, it's <laughs> it's super super mm. weird, but also very focused on characters instead of the overall story. I can't like if somebody if they a different set of actors. 
uh, but more importantly, if it was directed in a different way, the same story would have been super forgetful, to be honest. It, it's not a story that um, will stick with you for very long. So that's not... It, it, the drama is more interesting because of how the actors, especially um, uh, Jung Yumi, uh, uh, ends up playing uh, the nurse character. The nurse with the superpowers, she can see spirits and all the spirits um, are kind of like remnants of human emotions and unfulfilled wishes um, of the departed. And it's, it's a bit difficult to describe this. The, I almost gave up the drama at the end of the second uh, episode. The first episode was full of action. It's like that entire movie all by itself. The second episode slows down and there is a the way it's done it's very movie like as in in there is no background score in the pauses um mm. like when there is some kind of action happening there is a very low uh, kind of background score that happens that slowly crescendos but in most conversations it's super super quiet unlike my background right now where kids are screaming um <laughs> i was gonna say what is happening <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, it's it's Durga Puja. It's like festival week, oh, so it's there okay. are kids screaming on the street now. Um, so really, they should stay at home. But you know, nobody's listening to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. The way uh, this drama shot, it's uh, on the one hand really slow paced. You're like nothing is happening, and on the other hand, there is so much focus on the individual expressions of uh, Jung Yumi and Nam Joo Hyuk's characters and their slow realization that they are dealing with um, a situation that is paranormal, yes, but also maybe beyond what they can conquer. So these two basically, so uh, Jung Hyumi is a school nurse with the superpowers. Nam Joo Hyuk is this, uh, the, the grandson of the guy who founded the school and he has like a bum leg and he works in the school and the school has this super early 2000s vibe even though it's supposed to be in current day i'm not sure why that choice was made but that's how it is um so everybody has a smartphone but the uniform the color grading everything looks like it's like late 90s early 2000s it's um odd um but it's the, the drama heavily focuses on the emotions of teenagers, of like group versus the individual. How, you know, if you have something odd about you, like Nam Joo Hyuk with his bum leg, he is an outcast. Um, even mm. though technically he's, you know, sort of like included, he's a teacher in the school. He is looked at as, you know, that odd teacher with the bum leg. Um, so there is Nam Joo Hyuk who doesn't have any friends. There is Jung Yumi who's super weird as a nurse and doesn't have any friends. And they kind of start working together to deal with this paranormal thing that is happening in the school. And eventually uh, they kind of defeat it. But the ending is really open to um, interpretation. So it's not a very satisfying watch if you're watching it for that drama arc where something is happening in the beginning and then there is closure at the end. But if you're watching it for these two and how their, uh, you know, their bond becomes stronger, they become really good friends to each other and maybe eventually something more, but there is no like direct romance here exactly. Um, yeah, that, that part is entertaining. But of course, the most impressive thing about this drama is just the visual element and also how they use sound. 
the quietness mm. and the music the way the voices are recorded everything is very it almost has a physical effect on you so it's it's that experience that got me to keep watching because honestly the story itself would not have yeah so i'm curious like did the tone work for you because this has a very specific tone right yeah the did tone that absolutely it worked, worked? For me. Mm-hmm. it did the, it, it's the tone that kept me watching cuz there was this there was this um sense of waiting like we are waiting for something to happen and even when something huge is happening something monstrous and enormous is um attacking or you know something horrible is happening it still feels like we are holding our breath so it was a very disconcerting experience watching this but also i liked it <laughs> <laughs> This so it's I not like a Ramaz, man. I'm, I'm so bad at this <laughs> no like so you wouldn't necessarily wholeheartedly recommend it no i wouldn't i would because it's not for everyone it's uh, definitely not for everyone mm. but it if you really like quirky and weird and oddly s- slow but also like it's a very short drama so it's not that slow and there is ample um exploration of individual human emotions because all of these jellies they attach it's kind of like latch on to you or you have like you drop kind of jelly doppelgangers all over the school as you run uh, around the school full of this horrible emotion that's sapping your energy out it's this they 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 make emotions into actual tangible things that can be defeated and on the one hand that's like such an interesting thing to look at and watch happening and on the other hand it's too easy mm. um so yeah conflicted but i'm glad i watched it okay thanks that was a really excellent like review oh, it's very Lisa, helpful i feel like someone patted my head and was like that was bad <laughs> <laughs> okay um so, so <laughs> should i take this one Yeah. So we've both been watching um the Blackpink documentary Light Up the Sky, right? I know neither of us finished it, but we wanted to just quickly talk about it since it's not like a narrative that you need to watch to the very end necessarily to get a sense of how you like it, right? How much have you watched? You said just a little bit? Just a little bit. I think the first 15, 16 minutes probably. So, um yeah, not 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 an enormous amount, but I am um I really like this documentary. I have the thing is that since I don't follow the um behind the scenes of any of these groups um and def- not even Blackpink, I I've watched some videos of them practicing and stuff because that comes up on my feed on Twitter and Instagram, but I don't know these girls. Um and I since I'm not part of the fandom, there was no way of knowing these girls as an English uh you know speaking audience i suppose like unless something like this came out like i know they've done interviews and stuff but it's not like they're going to go deep into their backstory in every single interview so there was no way of me to find out more about them without actually delving into the fandom but just in the first minutes of this documentary they do such a good job of establishing these four girls as both you know characters and people and their history of hard work and the enormous journey that they had undertaken so yeah i i really liked what it love watched of it and yeah i'm going to finish watching it yeah same i like I think I have the same feeling. I didn't finish the same the it's an it's about 80 minutes long. I think I got to about 50 minutes. So I watched the majority of it. 
Um, and it is very... I am also coming from, like, not being in the fandom because my days of K-pop fandom were, like, second gen, you know, like, Big Bang and 2NE1 and all those, um, like, early, mid, late 2000s sort of uh, bands. And I've kind of just fallen off the wagon. I just don't have... I, all of my fan energy has gone towards K-dramas, basically. Um, but you're right. Like, they're so charming. They do a really good job of showing, you know, like, they interview them and they show their whole sort of life story. They, um, I think there's something particularly interesting about Blackpink's story because they come from such different places and they, um, they have, you know, like, they're multicultural in a way. And so even though three of them are, you know, ethnically Korean, they didn't all grow up in Korea. Um, and then you have, I think, Lisa, who's who's Thai. And so that, um, I think I didn't in the know past, about them. yeah, so like one of them grew up partially in New Zealand. One was born in New Zealand, grew up in Australia. So she's, mm. you know, like a Australian Korean. Um, one is from Korea, grew up in Korea, you know. Um, yeah. So I think that's the oldest one, right? Jenny? The one Jisoo is in... the one who grew up in Jisoo. Korea. Yeah. She's, and she's the oldest. Yeah. So it's interesting because I think in the past, whatever and i have watched like some like reality documentary type um shows where they do explore like the idol life and particular groups and their backstory and their trainee you know um journey and all that um but i haven't seen before a group where like usually even if there is a foreign member it's like one person or two people and everybody else is korean so it's like a navigation of this Korean group that has some foreign members and how they fit in with the others and how they sort of learn to, you know, become, you know, like learn the language, assimilate, all that. But it was really interesting to see how, because none of them has like the dominant perspective, obviously they live in Korea. They all had to learn Korean if they didn't already know it. And yeah. But like, if you see the way they communicate with each other, it's like in a mixture of English and Korean that mm. um, is so interesting. And it's also like very relatable as you know, like sometimes they'll start it, they'll start a sentence in one language and then they'll Finish switch to the, the other, other language yeah. halfway through, or they'll use like a word. Like the, I think there's Lisa. She was saying, um, she was talking about the early days and how competitive it was, and she was like, "Yeah, it was very Kyungjang at that time. So much Kyungjang. I was like, ah, <laughs> Kyungjang means competition, but like, yeah. and and it was like very natural. And I feel like as a second generation, third generation, um." person like I, we do that all the time you know just mixing languages not really thinking about it and I think you probably have a similar experience because you're multilingual Borma like yeah it was cool to see that where it wasn't like one person having to fit into everybody else's uh you know and and in the beginning when Lisa couldn't speak Korean um there was only one other trainee who spoke English which was um the one who grew up in Australia who what's her name Rosie I think yeah. Um, so then, like, she was her conduit to speaking to everyone. So it was just, like, really interesting to see that. It was, um, I am not really familiar with their music, although, like, what I've heard of it now makes me want to go check it out. Um, the other thing that really struck me in the first few minutes, and um, you've, you've already seen this, Barma, it's, it's mm -hmm. in the first, like, 10 minutes, is how much English language news coverage there is of them and their success and their sort of rise, like, internationally. Yeah. Um, where they just had, like, a good, like, two, three minutes of just clips from news coverage in English. Um, and I was very struck by that because I think the last time I watched one of these documentaries is probably six or seven years ago. And there was no... The, the international coverage of K-pop was nothing like what it is now. 
So it was very yeah. interesting because I haven't really been following it consistently over the years. I just like have come back to it after a long absence. It was really interesting to be like, oh, wow, like this is so mainstream. <laughs> and like we're so used to being in this niche fandom. We never really think about being mainstream or expect to be mainstream. And it made me think about how K-pop fans must feel about seeing their um, like I'm talking about like English speaking or like international K-pop fans must feel like watching their fandom move into like this global uh, gaze slowly over the years. So that was that was an interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm not part of that community, so I don't really know how it feels. But we should ask our friends who are big K-pop fans. <laughs> or you can email us if you're a K-pop fan and tell us how that experience has been and what, what you thought of documentary. Yeah, please do. We're constantly talking about how K-dramas going more mainstream is making us feel. And we would love to hear about your experience of being a K-pop fan and finding that going big and getting so much glaring attention, you know, worldwide. Yeah. I just have this... Um, I, it was a, just in the first few minutes when, you know, they I think they were in a van. They were basically just answering questions and they were... Um, it's... We, um, maybe it's because all of the uh, K-pop members, band members that we've seen in K-dramas, they're always men. Um, you don't get to see enough of this chemistry between the band members. And uh, when you do see female um, idols, they tend to show them as like, you know, like toxic in their competition. And so you don't get to see the camaraderie. But what struck me from the very beginning of the documentary, and even in the, the reason I started watching the documentary was because I almost accidentally started watching this reaction video that the four members did of their documentary trailer. And they were adorable. And their the chemistry is so lively. They're clearly good friends. I yeah. So I just wanted to see that. I wanted to see that friendship and how that developed for them. So um yeah. So <laughs> that's just it. I'm just I'm, I I like the fact that these four women they work so hard. They had to overcome a lot of obstacles to be where they are and they have to work hard every single day to maintain that position so all of that stuff is enormous but they also seem very they also seem like they are family with each other so that's just really nice seeing on my screen yeah i mean obviously there's an element of this that is performative uh, yes because they're performers that's what they do and yeah, they're you know the most famous girl group in the world right now so obviously they're very good at that mm. but you definitely do get a sense of that camaraderie which i don't think is that common among these groups because i remember when um blackpink was announced um and then like consistently yg would keep saying oh actually they're not debuting yet Oh, like they're going to debut this year. Actually, no, they're not going to debut. Like it was so long. Like, and I remember the the fans being like, "Oh my god, like when are they going to really?" And they were mad because they're like, "You have so many boy groups." Yeah. Um, but there's like basically there was two anyone, and after two anyone, it took seven years for them to come out with Blackpink. And I wasn't really my feelings weren't in that, but I was kind of like observing that conversation. And they talk later on in the documentary about how it was originally supposed to be a much bigger group. Um, yeah, and nine members, I think. Yeah, and I think the pool of candidates was, like, 20 or 30 people. And, like, on one hand, it's, like, very brutal how, like, they were just, like, slowly eliminating people. Um, but on the other hand, they were saying how, like, for them, like, every month they would switch and do different combinations of groups to and then do performances. And You know how they have those, like, monthly yeah. tests at YG. And so, like, 
they were saying that when they got together, it was like everything just clicked. And so clearly, like, the four of them have this chemistry that just worked better than anybody else, you know, out of the... And that's why it ended up being them, right? So I think because they also had to spend such a long time waiting to debut, they probably built, like, really strong bonds, too, with each other, I'm guessing. Um, And you can see that. Yeah. So, so yeah. It's an interesting, fun watch. I think it was really well done. I'm glad they got... um, I liked that they had that it's a, a Korean American director. Actually, we should have gotten her name. Let me just look it up. I'm also realizing that there are quite a lot of um, not documentaries exactly, but kind of like reality shows, uh, sort of docu's that um, have followed Blackpink in the last couple of years. I mean, they did this diary series apparently, but um, I don't think that was primarily in English. I've never heard of it, and it doesn't seem to. Um, it's it's largely based around their music and and about their tour and less about them as a group. So yeah, yeah. the director is uh, her name is Caroline Sa, and um, I feel like there were um, I don't know if you heard about the the Nine Muses documentary that I think it was like a BBC doc that came out many years ago now. It's been a while, but early on there were these types of it was like Western documentaries about k-pop that were just like oh my god look at how they you know they're constantly weighing these girls and it's like so exploitative and uh, it was like a kind of uh, look how toxic k-pop is kind of in this like weird external white gaze thing and like western orientalist gaze right there's still plenty of that type of coverage and i would never say that like k-pop that k-pop industry is perfect and it has no flaws clearly like every entertainment industry it definitely has flaws and there's you know things that happen that shouldn't be happening but this was a much more this is the first like american production that i've seen that or like a western production that i've seen that has a really balanced and interesting and nuanced sort of look at like what are their lives actually like like what did they have to give up what did they gain what what is it like for them now you know what what was their journey? So I appreciate that. And obviously, like, she's sort of an insider, you know, as and, and an outsider at the same time as a Korean American. So um, I also like that none of them are American. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like when there's an like a Korean American member or even like a Chinese American member or like any type of American member, that like that Americanness, it just takes over. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it's like the colonial relationship or what it's just that because it's it's western coverage so they really get interested in the you know the part american member it's it's kind of a natural thing to do if it was there was let's say an indian a part indian (laughs) member in one of these boy groups the entire country would just be focused on that one Mm. member so yeah that's not that's not surprising yeah but yeah it's it's quite interesting definitely gonna finish it yeah me too so yeah that's the that's the end of our yak for this this portion yeah so we are wrapping up our october uh drama watching and um yeah <laughs> so this was pretty low-key right usually we get like super involved in our <laughs> drama analysis yeah i think we were watching a lot of stuff that we like just really liked um yeah. but not in a an extremely intense way but just in like a warm and happy way or there was things that we were just like eh nah <laughs> yeah and the stuff that yeah. we did like in a very intense way we um either did a did spoiled yaks on which you know they're they're coming out or 
we did little yaks and we got the initial excitement out <laughs> like we did with record of youth and hey you uh, it's immortalized it's right there were all our expectations and hopes of from that drama <laughs> yeah just did not work out it's like remember we we recorded one episode when like pretty nuna had only aired like five Oy. episodes and we were like this is gonna be so good we're so excited for this and then like i, I went back and listened to that and i was like oh man yeah <laughs> little did we know seriously <laughs> so that's it guys that's this is the second yak of our um october dramas and uh thank you so much for listening you can find us on social media you can find saya on uh, uh on twitter at not now saya and you can find me on twitter at anisa khalifa underscore and you can find me parma on twitter at fester faster and you can find our dramas over flowers twitter at dramas overflow and you can find us on instagram at dramas over flowers underscore and we are on facebook please look us up and our website is dramasoverflowers.net where we put all our you know thoughts in written form and yeah when we are not talking here that's where we are so come yes. hang out with us <laughs> yes comment and share in the discussion please do all right bye everyone bye dramas over flowers is part of the frolic podcast network Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.